This is the Ask the Vet podcast series from Solar Power World. Welcome to another edition of Ask a Vet. I'm Kathy Zip, Managing Editor of Solar Power World. And this month's vet is James Marlowe, President and Co-Founder of Radiant Solar, a commercial, institutional, and utility solar EPC that's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And Radiant Solar's made our top solar contractors list every year we've been doing it. Really cool, great honor. So I'm really excited to learn more about the co-founder of the company and his interesting background that includes working for IBM and Yahoo and even running for Congress. So James, thanks so much for being here. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So I know that you helped found Radiant Solar back in 2007. So we're coming up on the anniversary in August, I believe. So you've been with the industry for at least 10 years there, but when did your experience in solar really start? Well, it seems like in the solar business, it's dog years, so um, that's a, a long time. Right. My interest in solar is actually very old. When I was in high school, I did a, a term paper and a project on solar, and I think anyone that thinks about solar comprehensively and looks at clean, abundant, renewable energy, they typically come away with pretty similar conclusions. So it doesn't matter if you're in the Department of Defense or if you're an environmentalist or if you're a corporation that wants to save money. Solar makes a lot of sense. I really do, in many ways, the same thing I've always done. I've been a high-tech marketer, taking early-stage technology to business buyers really my whole career. And I started in the personal computer industry, and I see a lot of parallels with the early days of the personal computer and where the solar energy business is right now. That's a really interesting comparison. When I saw that you were kind of in the computer technology field, solar seemed like a, a leap, but when you look at it as new technology that you're trying to bring to market and to consumers, that actually has a lot more in common than I originally thought. Another part of my you know, journey to solar was um, I was a candidate for United States Congress 10 years ago, and one of the planks in my platform was energy security and energy independence, and that if we don't have control of our energy, we can't have national security, economic security, or environmental security. Right. So this is a really big issue and that when you really look at the importance of, of energy for our, our companies, for our manufacturing sector, for consumers and residential users and low-income users and low-to-moderate income users, I mean, it's really, really an important sector. Absolutely. And I definitely want to talk a little bit more about running for Congress in, in a moment. I'm curious to know a little bit more about your careers with IBM and Yahoo. I mean, were there maybe some challenges with bringing that type of technology to consumers and explaining why that will be beneficial to their lives, kind of like solar? Are there some, some parallels there? or How did your experience really maybe shape what you're doing now? I find really, really clear parallels with the early days of the personal computer in that people use the same objections and actually the same phrases. And what I think they're often saying is that they don't really understand it. So in the early days of the personal computer, the people that really fought the personal computer the most were the mainframe people. And they said the same things. They said that personal computers aren't powerful enough, they're too expensive. There's a really famous quote by the 
president of digital equipment, Ken Olson, who nobody even knows what that company is anymore, but at one point it was going to rival IBM, he said, I can't understand why anyone would ever want a personal computer. (laughs) And so, you know, that's how people that were in the industry and that were very successful with mainframes or mini computers didn't understand the the transition to distributed computing. Mm -hmm. And the same thing's Mm -hmm. happening in the utility sector. So there are a lot of utility people that are really smart and they're really on top of this. And they understand that a a, a fuel risk free resource in their fleet or portfolio is really powerful. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, now it's like, how do you live without a personal computer? Maybe one day it'll be, how did we live without the amount of distributed energy that hopefully we'll have in the near future? What led you to run for Congress? That's a pretty ambitious goal to take on. Well, I, I grew up in a political family. Um, I'd always been around politics. Um, my great-grandfather was on the school board. My dad was a small-town mayor. I'd worked on Capitol Hill as a congressional intern and have been in many, many campaigns over the years. And uh, I just see the importance of good policy. And, and, you know, we need good government and good people in government. And uh, I was excited to run. I ran a campaign I'm proud of. And it seems like uh, ancient history at this point. I just realized you ran for Congress in 2007, and you also founded Radiance in 2007. So that must have been a pretty busy year for you. Well, it was. I had left Yahoo, which was a fantastic company that I just had a wonderful experience at, and I ran for Congress in a special election, which is a very different race than a a full you know year and a half long kind of campaign. Uh-huh. And uh, after that campaign, I took a little sabbatical. And I was trying to decide whether to go back into digital work or go back to Yahoo or uh, go into renewable energy. And the more I studied solar, the more excited I became about it. And Labor Day of that that year, I decided to to dive in and do it full time. That's really wonderful. I can't believe all that you achieved in that time. So maybe we could talk a little bit more about kind of your mission with founding Radiance. I read that Radiance's mission statement is that you're dedicated to being on the forefront of innovation, which really fits with your technology background. So what were some other values or ideas that you really founded the company on? Well, I love innovation and technology. Um, I also am a conservationist. Um, You can call me an environmentalist or a tree hugger if you like, but (laughs) I really believe that there's a a fit in good air quality and water quality and great communities and great economic development. And creating jobs is um, important to us when we started Radiance. I think there were two or three people in Georgia that made their living in the solar energy business, and now there are about 4,000 people, and there's about 260,000 people nationally across the United States that work in the solar industry. So to me, that's just that's a, a component of our mission and what we're trying to do, and we feel very good about the contributions we've made there. Right. You definitely have made some contributions. I know that Radiance provided Georgia's first utility solar power facility, and you said that you're actually at a utility conference now, so... Can you talk a little bit about how that first project came about and what it's like working with utilities, especially in Georgia now, you know, maybe how attitudes have changed or if there's still some way to go? Well, when we first started, our first projects were residential projects, and uh, we, would do any, we would do anything. We, you know, we just wanted to do solar. We were part of the first one-megawatt utility plant in Georgia, in Upson County, Georgia, and that was a really exciting project. And then we were part of the first... 20 megawatt project uh, with Origis as the owner and developer in Camilla, Georgia, and that was the first 20 megawatts that was built east of the Mississippi, and it was the largest for a whole day 
and then uh, a sister plant to that was commissioned a day later by the the engineers, and um, it remained the largest east of the Mississippi for a long time. But now those are all small plants that they are now, you know, thousand acre solar plants in Georgia, and we have seen a transition to where solar is cost effective for utility scale plants, uh, really everywhere, and it's cost effective for very large commercial industrial plants and becoming cost-effective all over for residential and, and small commercial users. That's awesome to see how far the uh, industry and the state has really moved. Another thing is I, I know that you're on the boards of various local organizations and you've joined forces with a lot of other partners. So why is that important to you in your business? In solar, we've really had to build an industry in addition to building a company and that we've always believed that if we could um, do education by working together, if we could impact policy by working together, that a lot of people would benefit. And we found that to be very true. And that, you know, we didn't do all this on our own. We worked as part of a leadership group to improve policies uh, in Georgia and the Southeast. And we've had a lot of really great relationships to do that, including utilities. So we work with utilities. We work with chambers of commerce, like the Georgia Chamber of Commerce, we work with the Solar Energy Industries Association out of Washington, D.C., and then the chapters across the southeast. So it really is a, a tight industry and a, a really interesting group of pioneers and early adopters. Right. I, I totally agree. I've started to get some questions in from listeners as I do more of these Ask a Vet podcasts, and they had some really good questions. So I think I'm going to start to ask some of those when I do these podcasts. So one question that somebody had was what changes have there been in your market in the last three to five years? I know you kind of covered that a little bit. And then how have customer demands changed and how have you responded? Our business has really changed every six months. So um, now as a company, we only focus on commercial or industrial and utility plants. We do a lot of work with utilities. The pricing has dropped about 90% in those 10 years. So the cost of plants has changed. The type of equipment we use is drastically better. We have more efficient solar panels, more efficient inverters, better monitoring systems, better racking systems. Just There's been a tremendous amount of change and we think that will continue and that this will help solar become affordable and, and commonplace. Do you see utilities in Georgia and your area asking for storage at all? We do. Storage is, is happening very quickly. Uh, for the most part right now, storage is still at the pilot stage and people are, are doing their test projects. And that's a very natural way for people to incorporate new technologies. Last year, we did four small pilots uh, around storage. And we have three medium size or a little bit larger projects in discussion right now. So uh, there's a good bit going on in that space. It's, it's happening really quickly in the fact that you've got some really great companies like Tesla and LG and you've got new entrants like Mercedes-Benz and Lockheed and, and just a, a lot of great companies investing significant efforts to, to pioneer this strategic technology. Storage is actually one of uh, the beats that I cover and so very interesting things happening in that space. So it's neat to know that utilities are, are looking into that and that might grow. So the other question a large listener had was, what should installers be looking for to get better training for the changes ahead as you see it? Well, I think we've, we've always got to be learning. We've got to be creative problem solvers. And we've got to look for, one of the phrases we use quite a lot is velocity. We need to be able to install systems quicker, faster. We need 
more modular systems with lower tool count, lower part count, so that they're easier to design, easier to install, easier to commission, easier to test, and easier to do repair and operations and maintenance for the life of the plant. Very good answer. So what are your thoughts on the trade case going on right now? We feel like that this is a really, really bad piece of policy and that we oppose it and we're working with SIA and other groups to communicate to our elected officials that that this is a really bad thing. It's, it's a job-killing issue and that uh, right now there's 260,000 folks like myself that make their living in the solar industry and that SIA estimates that you know 88,000 of them may be at risk if this moves forward. Traveling to Washington, D.C. tonight to meet with SIA and, and our senators and members of the House representatives tomorrow to try to let them know the background that Ceneva is no longer a, a Georgia company. It's owned by a Hong Kong-based billionaire, and that this issue is a very complex issue and one that could have a very, very negative impact on jobs. This action could double the price of panels and take us back two years in, in our work and, and really put a lot of particularly installer jobs at risk. So right. we hope that people will, will be very rational in this action. James, I know that you said you spend a lot of time traveling. We were talking on the phone at these conferences, and I'm sure you're very busy. But what are some things that you like to do when you're not focused on solar? I love to be on the water. Uh, my wife and I love to be at the beach or uh, in the boat, water skiing or sailing or canoeing or stand-up paddle boarding. Really just anything around the water is my favorite thing. And then spending time with our kids. We have a bunch of kids, and uh, chasing kids is a full-time job for us. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, James. It's really been great to hear your perspectives on the industry and get to know you and your background a little bit more. I just really appreciate you speaking with me. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. This has been another edition of Ask a Vet. Join us each month as I, editor Kathy Zip, bring you the unique perspectives and insights of those who have spent more than a decade in solar. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World podcast. Join us online for more podcasts, videos, and great editorial content at solarpowerworldonline.com. And don't forget to share your thoughts on social media. Catch you next month.